When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everybody, welcome to After Impact. Uh, today, we're diving into Mel Robbins' episode. She was a spitfire. This woman is amazing. Research, researching her was um, like taking a shot of adrenaline. She is always up-tempo all the time, and she's got some amazingly usable advice. You guys are going to want to dive into this episode. You're going to want to check out her book, The Five-Second Rule. It is all about usability, and that was the thing about her that I was really, really excited about. So welcome to After Impact. Welcome, welcome. Let's dive right in. Let's do it. All right. So this first question starts with the title of the episode, um, something you guys talked about in the very beginning, and I'd love to go deeper on that. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Why is motivation garbage? Yeah, it was so funny because in the intro, um, I always try to look at what people say about themselves, and on her website, it refers to her you know, as like really being great at motivation, and, and so I thought, okay, that's great. Um, you know, I, I, every, I think anybody watching my feed knows that I have absolute phobia of being just motivation and, right. and not being about execution. And so I'm, uh, I put it in and the last line of the intro is the master of motivation herself. And she comes on and is like, motivation is total bullshit. <laughs> and I was like, I'm actually glad you said that. And, um, and it's true. And what she says, and I think it's really powerful, is that motivation is never there when you need it. You're never going to feel like doing it. Um, and it really, if you're waiting for that moment where you feel like dragging your ass out of bed and you feel like building that skill set and you feel like going out and kicking ass, it's never going to happen for you. And so you really have to transcend motivation. You have to get into habit loops that are powerful. And she didn't say the words only action matters, but I mean, that's, you know, where she was coming from. And, you know, that is my thesis to the world is only execution matters. And if you can't figure out how to execute, then uh, you're really, really in trouble. Yeah, definitely. Um, she actually talks about going from thought into action. That's kind of one of her major core principles is how do you move from thought into action mm. and has a lot of strategies for doing that. But I want to get into, I want to actually paraphrase something she said in the episode. You can trace every problem in your life to silence and hesitation. So first off, what do you think of that? And if you are, if you agree, what are some of the techniques that can be used to move past hesitation? Well, her her whole talk is about how you move past hesitation, and and what she talks about is going beyond um, the basal ganglia, where you've got all these habit loops and things um, spinning around. And I've heard the basal ganglia referred to as the gearbox in the mind. And and when you've got a problem in your basal gang ganglia, when it's overactive, what happens is you get stuck on one thing, mm -hmm. and you're not able to pull out of that. You're not able to switch over into a new routine, new emotion, new thought, whatever. Um, and so she came up with this idea. She And the reason I wore the NASA shirt was she had this um, image in her mind that she'd seen on TV of a rocket ship taking off. And she said, that's what I'm going to do because she was really struggling with getting out of bed in the morning. And I know I, I went through that phase. So like I totally get that where 
there's just enough displeasure physically and what you're facing maybe in the day is um, not exciting. You're not moving towards anything. You don't have a compelling future that is pulling you out of bed. So you need something to get you out. And for her, it was that metaphor of a rocket ship and counting backwards, five, four, three, two, one. And she said in doing that, because you're counting backwards, it has a definitive end that it's triggering your prefrontal cortex, which is the center for higher cognition. It's where you start thinking about plans, goals, things like that. And that actually is you know, I'm able to disrupt the patterns and, and help you create a new habit loop and get you out of bed. And so I thought that was actually really, really um, smart. And it is a great way. And you have to do something to disrupt the pattern. Um, so whether it's counting backwards or whether it's focusing on what you're trying to accomplish, which is something I do in the gym a lot, because, you know, I mean, look, I've talked a lot about this. I never look forward to working out. Um, and when I find myself not looking forward to working out, what I have to do is, is switch my mind over to thinking about the result. Like, mm -hmm. what am I going to get out of this? What's the point? What's my right. why to use Simon Sinek's language? And once you remember what your why is, then you're able to be motivated by that thing by hopefully a, a very compelling future and get out of bed. But no matter what, as Mel says, you have to disrupt that pattern and, and trigger something. Um, so that's sort of the, the disrupting your behavior part, the, you know, going from the basal ganglia to the, um, the neocortex, then that whole concept of, um, silence and hesitation, I thought was really, really interesting. And, and, you know, how do you not be a silent voice? And I think everybody, a lot of people anyway, struggle with this concept of people want to hear my voice and, they do. And the reason they do, and maybe not everybody, right? I don't think everybody wants to hear my voice. I think that there are a lot of people that uh, what I have to say doesn't resonate with them. And sure. at the end of the day, you're not trying to speak to everybody. You're trying to find your tribe. You're trying to find those people that do resonate with what you have to say. And, you know, I, I try to remind myself that we all have something to learn from everybody, that everybody has something to offer us. And if people can remember that about themselves, I hope that that's something that really spurs them to want to be honest with what they think and feel and um, find other people that, you know, that resonates with that. You don't have to think of yourself like a teacher. It's yeah. got to be, you know, just there's something in you that either you even want to process out loud um, or you'd want to share with people and then finding those people that click with that. That's very cool. And one of the things that... Um, I know you really enjoyed about your talk with Mel and I think a lot of our audience and, and myself as well is that she's such a student of the brain and all of her techniques and strategies are grounded in neuroscience. Mm. And of course, we know that you're a student of the brain. Uh, many of the guests who come on the show are very interested in the brain. Um, is, should people become students of the brain? Should people try to really understand what's going on in there in order to move forward? I actually just had an image of me grabbing you by the lapel and like really being on your chest and screaming at you. Uh, and the reason, and yes, like if that hasn't come through yet loud and clear in my messaging, I am doing something wrong. Uh, yeah, everything changed for me the moment I, I became a student of the brain. And that's why if you go down my list of the 25 books that everybody should read, there are several books on there that are about the brain, that are about our how we interpret the world around us. Um, but the you know, let me be really really clear. And this this was one of those things that uh, somehow the imagery really slapped me awake. And I heard this said. I'm I'm not um, coming up with this, I don't, but I just don't remember where I heard it. Um, and the person said, "Your brain is an organ that is that never sees light, and it's trapped in darkness." 
and it is interpreting chemical and electrical impulses to create a representation of the world. Now, that representation is so good that you're able to move around the world without bumping into too much stuff, but at the end of the day, it is a representation. It is your brain making things up. It is your brain filling in gaps, making assumptions, using heuristics, which is just a fancy way of saying rules of thumb. Um, that That's why you, out of the corner of your eye, you see a snake, you jump, turn, and realize it's a stick or it's a hose or whatever. Um, that's a that's your brain making assumptions and is way better to assume that that thing is dangerous and make you prove that it is innocuous than it is to assume it's innocuous and have to prove that it's dangerous. So once you begin to understand that there are thousands of biases like that, where your brain is making all these assumptions, making you dance to its tune, that until you understand them, you can't take control of them. And if you don't have control of your brain, you're really, really in trouble. And for me, it's a lot of it stemmed from uh, what I've talked about with anger. You know, I have a very long fuse. It takes a long time for me to get angry. But once I do, then, then I stay angry for a long time. And that just seemed really, really ineffective. And so I wanted to get rid of that pattern and I wanted to break that. And to do that, I really had to figure out what was going on in the brain. I needed to learn about it. I needed to know the tricks that my brain was playing on me. I needed to understand the evolutionary reasons why it's doing it. Because once I could understand that, once I could visualize the process, then I knew it was a process. And then I could begin to disrupt it and use its own techniques and ability to learn against it, yeah. if we can say against it. But yeah, that's, yeah. Learn about the brain. Awesome. Learn, learn. Awesome. Uh, let's check in with our live community. Uh, I want to remind everyone that's watching us on Facebook Live and Instagram Live, you can win a 10-minute talk with Tom Bilyeu. Uh We're going to give that away, so share the feed on Facebook Live. And for IG, if you want to repost your favorite quote on Tom's IG account or Impact Theory guest, do that, tag us, we'll find you, we'll put you in the giveaway. Now, anyone in our live community, do you have questions about the episode? Awesome. All right. Pet it sounds. He is Pet it sounds. always on top of it. He is. He is. He's got to respect so, it. So, if the conventional understanding of motivation is garbage, what, if anything, takes its place? I'll repeat the question. If the conventional understanding of motivation is garbage, what takes its place? Right? Yeah. yeah so, I, I will make a clarifying remark, which is I think motivation is incredible if you follow it up with action. And motivation is a brain chemistry state, feels awesome. It makes you feel like anything is possible. And if you've put the habit loops in place where you can translate that motivation into action, then you'll crush it. And I think somebody with motivation and a massive bias towards action is always going to beat somebody that doesn't have motivation and only has an, uh, a bias towards action. But somebody with only a bias towards action and no motivation will beat a person with motivation and no bias towards action. So they're both very useful. I, I think the ultimate ideal is to have both. Um, so I don't, you know, it's not that it's getting replaced by anything. It's just that it is truly, it's motivation is like potential. So, and I've been thinking a lot lately about how to describe potential. And I want you to think of um, a derelict space in New York, any major city, some um, square block that is, you know, just dying grass and like one of those ugly fences with the post no bills. And, you know, like that's, that's potential. It's, it's nothing. It's, it oftentimes is, is it looks unkempt, you know what right. I mean? But once you realize that you can then build a skyscraper on that same space and that that skyscraper could be, 
you know, however tall with however many floors, 10 floors, 30, 50, 60, 100, like however many floors. And then on each floor in each room, you can do something with it and it can become highly productive. And you could have a nonprofit organization that's trying to save elephants and what's up, Morgan? Uh, you could have, uh, you know, a, a business that is um, teaching people. You could have uh, something for the stock exchange. I mean, literally just the, it is infinite, the number of things that you could do with that. But it all started with that sort of empty piece of land mm. that is totally inert until you do something with it. And I think because the word potential has all this connotation, people think of something beautiful. I want them to think of like that dead bit of earth with nothing on it because that's what potential is until it becomes the skyscraper that is filled with all these amazing things. And until you actually do the execution, there's, there's just this ugly piece of land. I like that metaphor. Well, that's great. Let's see. Um, one more. Let's do it. All right. What you got? All right. So this one comes from Chris. Um, his question is apathy. So how to overcome it? Hesitation is one thing, but apathy is another. The question is how do you overcome apathy? Hesitation is one thing, but apathy is another. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, now we're getting into the like advanced class stuff here. So uh, the question that always is hard to answer is I don't have motivation. So what do I do with that? And the hardest thing to give somebody is motivation because it comes from having a compelling future. Apathy is, I used to have a shirt. I'm sure I still do. Uh, but I, the shirt is hilarious to me. It says apathy. I could take it or leave it. <laughs> <laughs> God, that's funny to me. Um, and when you're in that position and you literally, you have nothing pushing you in either direction, that, that to me is, is a ring of hell. And the reason it's a ring of hell is there are people that have a neurological disorder where they don't have emotion. And what's fascinating, and I never, I should have, but I would never have seen coming the result of people who can no longer feel emotion. Do you know what it is? No. Anybody? I, do you guys know? This is so fascinating. So what happens when you can no longer have an emotion, you can't make decisions. So think about that for a second. You still have logic. You can still do math. You could still do philosophy and reason through and tell me what Kant's arguments are. And um, you could talk Nietzsche, like all of it. But you can't decide whether you want fish or chicken for lunch. Like literally, they cannot do it. Because they don't have an emotion that tells them one way or the other. And so they'll sit there and like try to logic their way through it. And they'll tell you all the benefits of fish. They'll tell you all the benefits of chicken. And then they just sit there totally paralyzed, unable to actually make a decision. And it, it absolutely destroys their lives. I did not see that coming. And, you know, we think about emotions being this roller coaster. But at the end of the day, if you didn't have that, if there weren't things that you just felt, you can't move. And so we're these animals that are capable of logic, but absolutely rely on emotion to be able to help us go in one direction or another. So when somebody tells me that they're apathetic, you don't have an emotion. Like there's nothing pushing you in a direction. And it's like, other than to tell you that you need to start really thinking, really thinking about the things in your life that do generate an emotion, because you need to be moving towards those. So if you're apathetic, man, you're just in the wrong arena. You're thinking about the wrong things. You are playing the wrong fucking game. Like there has to be something that lights you on fire. And if not, 
like now we're we're in a real danger zone because right. if you're truly apathetic, your future is about sitting in a room staring at a wall. And if that th- seems like ridiculous to you, I'd never sit in a room and stare at a wall. Then you're only apathetic about something. Like whatever is compelling you to not sit in a room and stare at a wall, do that. And if it's video games, find a way to monetize that. If it's comic books, find a way to make a living at that. If it's just like, I want to go and help people. Okay, great. Like at least that's a starting point. Now let's break it down. In what way? In what country? Like for instance... I was just thinking about this for some reason with what we want to do with impact theory. Like I think that there is a lot of turmoil in the world, but I want to start at home, right? That just motivates me. I want to start right here. I think that there are problems that we have right here. When I think about things that are going on in the inner cities and all the things that we struggle with right here in my own backyard, like I want to start there. doesn't mean that's better. I think it's amazing that there are people that want to go do things in other places in the world. But you've got to go to where you're drawn, and I happen to be drawn to my backyard. So, you know, whatever that thing is that lights you on fire, whatever that thing is, and and maybe it doesn't start as a fire, it starts just as an interest. Breathe, breathe into that, breathe life into that and chase it. And it all comes back to action, right? For sure, but his whole thing is like, I'm apathetic, so why the fuck would I take an action? But go experience something. Go take action to have more experiences to find out what you're interested in. I'm apathetic. I I have no desire. But doesn't that freak you out? It freaks me out. And and I I have to believe that for everybody who says that they're apathetic, there is something that they're not apathetic about, and I think they have to put all their attention on that. Because you're right. Like Once you can get them acting, once you can get them out in the world experiencing things, that then it's a snowball, right? And it'll take care of itself. But when they really are too apathetic to even like get out of bed, like that's where you have real problems. And that's, that's where scary, I, yeah. you have to paint a picture. You have to get excited about your future. There has to be something that you can hold on to because life has to be about push-pull. There's got to be something that's pulling you that you're just you're just naturally excited about it. Right. All right. One of the uh, one of the things that really struck me in this episode was how Mel talked about micro decisions and micro choices that we all make every day. The little things that add up to big things, the small actions that have um, major impacts in your life or in your future. And I'm going to read a quote. She says, none of us wake up and say, today's the day I destroy my life. What we do is we kind of check out because it feels overwhelming or we're afraid or we start listening to Mm self-doubt. What do you think about micro decisions and is that something that you're actively sort of contemplating on a day-to-day basis? The small actions you take, the small thought processes you have. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that that's a really big deal. And when she said that, I was I was like, man, you're absolutely right. And you know, that whole concept of change your decisions, change your life. Um, and I think people think about the really big stuff a lot and they don't necessarily think about the small little things that they do every day become their habits and those habits turn into really your life and they begin to define you. Um, and that's like the gym for me, right? So the gym for me was ways for me to earn credibility with my, myself through um, micro goals. So I'm going to show up at the gym today. I'm going to you know, curl this weight. And then a week from now, I'm going to be able to curl like two pounds more, right? It didn't have to be something massive. But all these little things begin to add up. And the, the same is so true of skill acquisition. You know, It always starts really, really small. And so letting yourself be overwhelmed by the, you know, the gestalt of everything, like everything in totality is 
is a mistake of cognition because you're you're focusing just on everything all at once. Mm. When in reality, it's you know once you can break those things down into micro decisions, into small things that you focus on, then you really can begin um, to to pick a focus, to go down a path, um, and and the ability and willingness, quite frankly, to exclude things is really, really important. And this is something that I think paralyzes a lot of people is they get caught up where if you don't make a decision, the, everything is possible, right? And, and I actually run into this on the weekend sometimes where the weekend is is so infinite in its possibilities because I can do anything I want. I could lay in bed. I could play video games. I could literally just leech onto my wife and hold onto her for hours. Paradox we just, of choice. Yes. Yeah. And until you're willing to shut a door on things and say, this is what I'm doing, it, it's weird how it paralyzes you. Can I tell a story? Please. Uh, a couple of years ago, my New Year's resolution was to smile at people I pass in the hall and say hi. Wow. And the reason was, so living in Los Angeles, people don't really, you know, it's not like a place where people talk to each other on the street where they wave and say hi. It's just not very common, right? Do you find that to be true? My wife thinks you're crazy. Because as a Brit, she was like, this is so weird. Like, but I don't want to derail your story because maybe from an American sensibility, it probably is a lot less. But for Brits, it's weird. I think for, for a major city, it's a little, I don't want to use the term cold, but people aren't as open. You know, they have places to be, they have places to go. Mm. So I was always passing people where I lived and walking by and just in my own head thinking about things and not really interacting. And so I wanted to take a small action that I think had large implications. And so for me, it was smiling, saying hi to people made me feel better. Mm. First off, I started to feel like I'm part of a community. I'm interacting with people. And then I was hoping that it also made those people feel better, right? Maybe they were having a bad day. Maybe that hello or that smile made them feel better. Maybe they smiled and said hello to someone else and then on. So I'm a big believer in micro decisions and micro choices, how they can change your life. That is a really powerful example. I love that, man. Great. All right. Let's go back to our community who's on live right now. Do we have any questions? A lot of motivation questions today. I love it. This is a this is a big big one for our community. Mm. So the question, I'll just repeat it for the podcast. What about ongoing motivation? How do you sustain yourself? It's easy to get started on the first or second day, but what about hundred days in? How do you keep going? Yeah. So um, in in the question, they hint at this notion of developing grit, which I think already is just powerful, powerful. And if you read Angela Duckworth's book, Grit, she talks about that in the book, how it really is like a muscle and you can develop it over time and your ability to do that. Um, and there are small things that you can do to develop your grit, um, such as uh, what I do with going to the gym and you, oh, can we talk about uh, dry uary? Dry January. Dry January. Yeah. All right. So I'd never heard of this. Um, and Agent Smith was saying today, <laughs> it's pretty, well, first, tell people what dry January is. So dry January is when you do not drink any alcohol for the month of January. And what I love is he was like, no matter how you explain it to people, you sound like an alcoholic. He's like, <laughs> I'm not an alcoholic. But when you, you gave a reason for why you do it. And I think it's worth sharing with people. So two reasons. One is uh, breaking routine. Um, because I think while it's important to develop strong habits and good routines, there's also some negative routines that get you into a sort of an automatic thinking mode that can be damaging. 
or it limits creativity, let's say. So breaking routine, so not coming home after a long day of work and having a beer, right? Doing something else, finding another way to relax. Mm. Um, so that was the one. But the second one is that it helps me develop my self-discipline. So when I say I'm going to go 31 days, I'm not going to have any sip of alcohol for 31 days. And then each day that I add on, I feel stronger and stronger and I can apply that to other parts of my life. Dude, that is so powerful. And I hope everybody out there is listening. It's, it's totally something that you just made up and you decide, Hey, I'm going to do this. Um, and sticking with it really does develop your discipline. It, it helps you begin to develop your grit. Now there's a technique that I use called bright lines. Bright lines to me are, it is how I have had a physical transformation. So one thing that anybody who's paying close attention will notice about me is I eat at exact times. And I should say, I never eat before an exact time. So, um, I eat in the morning. I, um, my first meal is, is a little squishy because it, it's usually based on when I wake up. Um, but I never eat I never, this is going to be funny. I don't know that I've ever said this. I never eat before my dogs um, because that just feels mean uh, for me to eat and not feed them. And I never feed them before seven. So I never uh, eat before seven. Even if I wake up at two in the morning, uh, I'm not going to eat before seven. And I usually push it back a little bit later than that. Um, And then my next meal is at 1130. So if I eat right at 7 a.m. because I'm just starving, uh, I know that I'm not going to eat again until 11.30, period. Doesn't matter. That's a bright line. End of. Uh, and the same with 3 o'clock. I'm going to eat at 11.30. I'm going to eat at 3. Doesn't matter how hungry I am. Doesn't matter how much I want to eat before that time. I'm not going to eat before 3. And people have been like, dude, it's like two minutes. Like, why don't you eat? And I'm like, that's the whole point of bright lines is you're, you're forcing yourself to be disciplined. You're forcing yourself to say, I eat at this time. That's it. And so if you're doing dry annuary uh, or, you know, anything like that, Lent or whatever, where it's something that you give up, or I remember I did a three-day fast and um, it was a, a what I'll call water and soda only and soda meaning diet soda. So there were zero calories. Um, and I had a brutal headache day two. Oh my God, my head hurt so bad. It was unbelievable. And I really wanted to take Advil. But I thought, what if there's calories in Advil? I would feel like a cheater. And I was like, wow. bright lines, baby, bright lines. So I just had to grind it out and like deal wow. with the fucking headache. But it's when you do things like that, to your point about micro decisions, when you do something like that, you really develop the grit. You develop the perseverance. You develop your, your willingness to push something out. And you start to feel like a stud. And You, you can start, feel it. You, you really, really do. Yeah. And this is one of those, it is so small and so silly, but I'm telling you it has a massive impact because you earn credibility with yourself. Like even just think about the mileage I get out of that three-day fast story, which I've been telling, you know, for like two years now. It's things like that. Like you, you know who you are in those moments, right? Nobody was looking. Nobody was looking. When I had that headache, right? I could have taken some Advil in the middle of the night. <laughs> Nobody would have known, but I would have known, right? Right. And so, and then it wouldn't matter. Maybe other people would think, oh, amazing that he was able to do this three-day fast, but I would know I didn't do the three-day fast. So you earn credibility with yourself in those moments when nobody's watching. Use bright lines as a technique to extend your discipline, extend your grit. Um, And it can be over little stupid things. Like I'm not going to um, check social media for a day or an hour, whatever, like whatever your thing is. But like you draw the bright line 
and then you don't bend on that for any reason. Where'd you get that name, Bright Lines? I, every word out of my mouth, every word out of my mouth, assume I read somewhere, okay. right? So I, I try to remember where I find all this stuff. The problem is I may have read the Bright Lines thing and thought, oh, that's interesting, and, but it didn't like really solidify in my mind for like two more books. And so then I'm like, wait, which book did I read that in? So, oh man, it is, it is with heartbreak and shame that I admit to every author that I have unintentionally plagiarized. <laughs> I do not intend to plagiarize. I love giving credit. Uh, but alas, I don't remember where I read that. Bright lines. Like bright it. lines, bright lines. I, I bet if you drop that into Google, though, I bet you will come up with an answer ASAP Rocky. So. I also didn't name Dry January. That's a thing. You did not. I did In not. fairness. Yeah. And I said something that kind of made it sound like you did, but... It actually goes back to monks. Really? Like, yeah, like back, I don't know, hundreds of years, monks would do it because I guess they would party it up for Christmas. And they, yeah, they did like their wine. Yeah. They did like their wine. All right, um, let's check in with our live community. I want to remind everyone we have some giveaways going. You can share this live feed on Facebook. You can post your favorite impact theory quote uh, or at Tom Bill, you quote on Instagram. You can win 10 minutes of FaceTime with this guy, Tom Bill. Let's do it. Um, we got another one. Let's launch this. So we just did a giveaway. I'm sorry. We just did an impact books, which if you haven't checked out, mm. you should definitely check out. That is on the podcast as well as on YouTube. We're reviewing books. Um, the most recent one was Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, yeah. which you loved. I loved it too. It was yeah. a good book. Dude, that, that So well written. So well written. Yeah. Uh, it rocked me. It was amazing. You really felt like you're on the journey with him. I cannot recommend that one enough. Whether you want to be an entrepreneur or not, just it's a tale of grit, man. It's a tale yeah. of a, of somebody who loves something and they stuck it out and everybody thought they were crazy. And yeah. you know, I mean, he's he's built something incredible that's endured, you know, for decades. It's the tale of Nike, if you're not familiar. So um, it's a great book and you can win it. We're gonna give it away. All you need to do is send us a screen grab of your rate and review on iTunes. Yeah. So as you know, trying to build the podcast, we want to get on new and noteworthy. We need some more reviews. We already have 60, which is great. And people have been very, uh, very nice in their praise and very supportive. And we really appreciate that. And we're just looking for some more people to jump out there and, and write some reviews. Yeah, that would be amazing. Goes a long way towards um, obviously building the channel and then getting people on the show. Like you have to understand when we go to get guests, the first question they have is like, how many subscribers do you have and uh, how many downloads and all that stuff. And so we're in the building phase. And right now, I think everybody in this company owes a debt of gratitude to a one Mr. Christopher McDonald. The that golden guy. child. The golden child. This AKA kid is Mr. Finesse. Yeah. Yes. Oh God. We have to call him that. Uh, that comes, what was that? His in-laws that called him yeah. that his father-in-law, Mr. Finesse. Uh, yeah. Christopher, Christopher has game. Yeah. You have to see photos of him from like grade school. The he best. had game back then. The best. Uh, but he is the reason that we get the amazing guests we get on the show. We'd like to make his job a lot easier and you guys can help us with that by, um, helping build the community, getting the numbers up and, and, um, yeah, that's, that's what we need. Awesome. All right, let's dive back into the episode a little bit. Um, here's a quote. Confidence is not a personality trait. It's a skill. That's yeah. something that Mel mentions and talks a lot about confidence in the episode. So I have a question for you. You've interviewed, hired, managed thousands of people in your time at Quest. Have you found this to be true? Confidence is a skill, not a personality trait? Oh, I don't. Yeah, there's, there's no finding it. It is just true. So the one thing I think everybody has to embrace is that everything in your life is a skill, 
None of it is a personality trait. I think that we may have uh, predispositions towards things, but there's a great Tony Robbins quote. He says, intelligence really matters, but we all know incredibly smart people that can't fight their way out of a wet paper bag. So you may be extroverted by nature, but that doesn't mean that you know how to leverage that to get what you want, to build a vision and to rally people around your vision. Uh, it doesn't mean that you're going to be confident. In fact, and that was Mel, right? Yeah. She and she, she talked about that. Yeah. Exactly. She said, look, I was extroverted, but I was really insecure. Yeah. And so while I may be loud and I may be um, boisterous, it wasn't coming from a place of confidence. And so until it was coming from a place of confidence, she wasn't able to be as effective as she wanted to be. So understanding certainly, certainly that confidence is something that you really have to cultivate. And I think honestly, um, I wrote this out once and, and I, I liked how it came out, but I did not memorize uh, the thought, but it goes something like this. And I think this was in my IG feed. Um, it all starts with belief, right? So if you wanna be confident, first you just have to believe in yourself. Even when you know it's a lie, Okay? Even when you have no earthly right to be confident, you have to be confident. I will give you a great example. I am going to get Nike to do a signature shoe. Now, <laughs> I have no earthly right to believe that that is going to happen. But since I have been putting that out there, since I've been telling anyone who will listen that I'm going to get my signature Nike shoe, I'm going to be the first entrepreneur with his own shoe, it is freaky. How many people are like, oh, I can help you with that. Yeah, I've had high level, I've had high level conversations with people at Nike already about getting this shoe. You just started saying that like a couple weeks ago. Yes. Right? Yeah. And, and it's like, it, it's crazy town. So, and I started saying it because I know that it starts with belief. If I can't like, imagine you have a call with Nike and I'm like, yeah, I don't know why you guys would do this either. <laughs> They're never going to do it, right? So, but I've got a tight pitch about why it makes sense. I've looked at it from their perspective only so that when I'm talking to them, I'm not saying why it's good for me. I'm saying this is why it's going to be good for you. This is what I'm going to be able to bring to you guys. It's my whole thing about adding value, which it's exactly what you need to do if you want to get a job somewhere. It's all the same things. In fact, I wrote an article about this and I said, whether well, you're applying for a job or you want to have a high level business meeting, here are the tactics that you need to use. And it works, man. It works. Go in, figure out what their pain points are, figure out how you can deliver against that. But it all started with me believing that I could do it. And because I believed it, then I started to build the, the world around what I would need to do to execute against that. And then you start putting it out there and you start realizing that you're being taken seriously, which then actually makes you start believing. Then you believe it even more. So now you're taking it more seriously and it becomes this virtuous cycle. But it started with me having the guts to believe that it made sense. It starts with that belief. So if you want to have confidence, you just have to believe that you're the kind of person that should be confident. That's where it starts. And then you'll acquire the skills. But until you believe that it makes sense, you're never going to do it. You guys know I have a very strict diet that I stick to, except for very special occasions. And I do that so that I can bring my best every day to what I'm doing. And a big part of that strict diet is high quality animal protein and my go-to source of trustworthy meats and seafoods with no added hormones or antibiotics ever is ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a premium meat subscription service that delivers 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood all directly to your door. I cannot recommend ButcherBox enough. When you eat ButcherBox, you are giving your body the best possible building blocks to work with so you can reach your full potential. You've got to take care of yourself at a cellular level if you want to hit your peak consistently. So ButcherBox is the key. Sign up at butcherbox.com impact and get our special deal. ButcherBox is off 
offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. And that means you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash impact and use code impact to choose your free for a year offer. Plus get $20 off your first order. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You will never be able to reach your full potential if you are riddled with stress and have a lot weighing on your mind. I can tell you from my own experiences with stress and negative thought loops, you have to find a way to work through whatever it is that's weighing on you if you're gonna have any hope of achieving your goals. Therapy can be an option for working through things and for an online therapy option that is super convenient and flexible, be sure to check out BetterHelp. With BetterHelp, everything is 100% online and getting started is quick and easy. A brief questionnaire matches you with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra charge. Get things off your chest, process through things with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash impact theory today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash impact theory. In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you want to have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need. And Impact Theory's own chief financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. There it is. All right, let's kick it over to our live audience. Any questions about the episode? Yeah, no question. I think people have to be constantly evolving. Um, I'm terrified. So there's a laundry list, apparently, of things that I'm terrified of. And one of them is my thoughts calcifying into dogma. Um, And what I mean by that is if you believe things strongly enough, they become unchecked things in your mind that you just adhere to them all the time and you stop looking at the results. And to answer your question directly, I'm always looking at the results that I'm getting from something. So I may believe something with conviction, but if I'm not getting the results, I have to be willing to look at that and then reassess the belief that's driving the behavior. And I try to do that all the time. And like, even in this episode, so I've talked a lot about 
um, this, that you have to practice things and there's usually a period of awkwardness and all that. So right before we start rolling, my wife says, um, Hey, stop looking into space. It's like super distracting. Either look at Jared or look at the cameras. (laughs) I was like, but I, I don't look into space. Like I'm looking into space because I'm thinking or whatever. And she was basically like, I can either give you the advice and you can take it. Uh, or you can keep doing something stupid. She was very sweet. It, that wasn't how... I just did it again! Me staring off into space. Uh, <laughs> but I have to train myself out of it. So in this episode, I have literally been practicing that, right? From you to the cameras, from the cameras back to you. And trying... Great job. Thank you. And trying not to uh, look off. But because it's like my noon, it's so easy to just look that way. Yeah. So when my brain is just processing data, I sort of blankly um, go to that. But you have to be willing to to check from the dumbest little simple things like where your eyeline is um, to your biggest, most cherished beliefs. And I try to always be willing to check those cherished beliefs entirely based on results. That's really interesting. And that's something I want to follow up on because I think a lot of our negative habits can also be happening. You're sort of unconscious, like you're, you're not mm-hmm. paying attention to them. So how do you become more aware of all of those things or all of, all of those beliefs that are actually harming you? Yeah, so let's start with you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with, right? So my wife had the balls to say, don't do that. And it probably would have been a little bit harder for you guys because you don't want to hurt my feelings. And neither does she, but she knows she has such a bank of credibility with me that she loves me and she's always there for me that she can throw things out. like. And it did sting, right? Because it was like this criticism of my performance and nobody ever wants to hear. Like all I want to hear is that I do everything perfectly. God, that would be amazing. But then I would know, unfortunately, if that were true, then the results that I'm getting now are the results that I'll get forever. Because I I believe in every moment in your lives, Whatever skill set you have today has already taken you as far as it's going to go. And if you want to go any farther, then you have to incrementally develop better skills, period. So I'm not happy with where we are as a company. I'm not happy with what we've accomplished. I'm not happy with the size of the community. So I know that it isn't just, and it would be tempting to say, well, it's just time. Be patient. You guys know my rage about patience. I don't think patience is uh, a virtue. I think that you need to be going all out all the time for a very long time. And that's the key. I, I know some of the greatest minds in the world are saying be patient. And I know what they mean. What they mean is to do your activity over a very, very long period of time. Um, I just think it, it warrants saying that you need to be going full speed all the time. Yep. And that the, if you're going to call it patience, I actually think it's, it's I'm never going to call it patience. I think that it's a dangerous word that puts people in the wrong frame of mind. Sure. Um, but I do get that you have to do it over a very, very long time, consistently over time. Um, and I just don't allow myself the temptation to believe that time passing, doing what I'm doing now is going to be enough. I think that I always have to be learning. So you need to surround yourself with people that are going to check you, that are going to point out the things you're doing wrong. And by the way, your haters give you amazing advice. So um, I always read the negative comments that people post and um, got a great piece of advice from, um, oh God, why am I blank? Neil Strauss, uh, brilliant author. This guy's amazing and had him on Inside Quest. And he said, you know, when people give you feedback, you need to take it, look at it and decide, am I going to, and he did this thing motioning towards his head. Am I going to assimilate it into my worldview or am I going to reject it? And he said, if you choose to reject something, but it keeps coming back, keeps coming back from multiple respected sources, ultimately you're going to have to like take it in, but you got to, you have to be discerning, right? So if I see one negative piece of comment, I probably will, um, I'll think through it, but if it doesn't resonate, then I'll just move on. But if I keep hearing that same negative piece of content or uh, feedback, then I'll assimilate it. Awesome. Do you keep a phone in your bedroom? 
I do. I keep it right next to me. Really? And this is a piece of advice that like, I don't quite understand. Um, and I guess it's because I have a, I don't even have a bright line. I never fuck with my phone in the middle of the night. So it, it doesn't even occur to me. Um, so I guess I just don't have like whatever that problem is. And am I the only one? Like my phone is the source of fucking anxiety. Like I'm not diving to pick up my phone in the morning. Like uh, that. Yeah. I don't even think about it. It's not like my somebody's, I, it was Mel who was like, Oh, you keep checking your email because like you get good emails. And I was like, I don't check my fucking email because all I get is like this overwhelming amount of shit other people want me to do. Right. And it's like, you're not the boss of me. Like you don't get to control my agenda. So like I'm a, I'm a freak about not checking email. So anyway, my phone doesn't call to me. Like maybe it calls to other people. Mm. Um, so yeah, I have zero problem with having my phone in my room. I use it as an alarm, uh, as an emergency alarm. And even that I don't wake up to my alarm, but like once out of a hundred times. So eh, I don't have that problem. All right. Fair enough. All right. Let's go back to our community. Any questions coming in about the episode? So the question is, what do you do when you try to teach something important to someone you love, like the five-second rule, for example, um, but they don't listen because they have a fixed mindset? There are a few things harder in this world than loving somebody who's struggling, right? I think we can all agree to that. That's really, really brutally difficult. Um, I'm not in the game of teaching. So I, I love the people in my life, and if they're struggling, I have wild amounts of empathy for that. Um, and it makes me very sad and I, you know, want to see them be happy and I want to see them achieve, but my job is not to convince them and nothing will make people resent you more than trying to convince them of anything. And I used to do that a lot. Um, and it just became abundantly clear that that was a losing strategy. So now I just want people to feel good when they are around me. I want them to feel better about themselves when they're near me than they feel when they're not near me. And that has nothing to do with trying to change them. That has everything to do with loving them for who they are, all their faults and foibles, and, and not even thinking about that. Like I'm just thinking about like the things about them that are so joyous to be around and focusing on that. And the only jujitsu that I play um, with people is if they're trying to go negative, like I, I don't put up with that. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'll flip that and redirect the energy. And, um, I hate how, um, woo -woo that sounds, but negative energy, like, I mean that in the way that if you're talking about something incessantly that is making me feel worse about my life, um, I'm going to redirect that. And, and it, it's as simple as like changing the topic you know, and moving on to something that's positive. And, and normally a technique that I use, I use this a lot. If somebody's dwelling on negative shit, I just say, I want to ask you a quick question. I'm super interested to hear the answer. What do you find most exciting about your life right now? And it just redirects, right? Yeah. It's not a commentary. I don't go, God damn, like you're being so negative. Shut up. Like that is not useful. Yeah. Um, so instead, just ask them what they're excited about. Gratitude is another one, right? Gratitude is a super powerful tool. So mm -hmm. asking someone or practicing yourself, what are the things I'm grateful for today? Right. 100%. Doing it in the morning, doing it at the end but of the day. Don't you think there's a, there's like a little judgment in that word? I'd be super tense to use that with somebody who isn't like in the sort of gratitude mm -hmm. world. Like if I said, uh, uh, you know, I'm thinking of certain people in my life, and I said, 
and they're in a like you know a bitch session and i said yeah. what are you grateful for <laughs> it just right. sounds be the right like oh <laughs> i think they're gonna like their hackles will be up a bit yeah but for somebody like me for somebody like you who's sort of in that world and maybe has a gratitude practice in the morning and stuff like you get it and so it wouldn't feel judgmental but i know your audience yeah and i'm Good always point. a little little tense about that word point. all right other questions from the live audience So the question is, Mel had suggested counting down from five. That's her five-second rule. Is that something you actually do, or do you have a different strategy? When I was reading her book, I actually did it because um, I wanted to see like yeah. if it would work. And I actually found that it it is kind of interesting. Like It does do what she's talking about, where it disrupts some sort of pattern that you're in. Um, I, I have not done it consistently since then because I find that that isn't where I struggle. Um, I don't struggle with action. I don't get lost in, in hesitation. Um, but having done it a couple times, I could feel that it was kicking in that same mechanism that I've taught myself to kick in, which is to redirect your energy, to always move forward, um, to take action. And, and because I've built like every bit of my identity around being action oriented, having a massive bias towards action, um, I'm not, I'm not sort of reaching for that, but as far as a tool for somebody that hasn't built in those mechanisms yet, I, I think it's really, really powerful. And I would encourage anybody to try it. You know what it reminded me of? Um, when you do guided meditation mm. and you know, you're know you supposed to be focusing, right? Focusing on your breath, focusing on counting, um, and your thoughts kind of trail off. And then you're supposed to guide yourself back to breathing or the counting, right? To stay focused. It kind of reminded me of that because it's like, she talks about moving from thought into action. A lot of times our thoughts spin out of control. We're going down these paths that we don't need to be going down. And if we just count to five, we can get ourselves back focused on the thing that we need to be working on and that's ahead of us. Yeah, kind of that makes a lot of sense to me. Makes a lot of sense. And when I'm meditating, focusing on this, the part of the breath cycle that I'm in really, mm -hmm. really helps. So I can totally see that. Yeah. All right. Any more questions from our live audience? Yeah, we'll take them. Okay. So, can you speak, this comes from Hashtag Warrior. Um, can you speak on calculated risk and how and when to decide whether to dive into something um, completely different? So the question is, can you speak on calculated risks and how and when to decide to dive into something? Yeah. So to me, this comes down to what are you trying to accomplish with your life? What are the goals you've set out for yourself? And having really clear goals and knowing what you want is, is step one. And that's where the calculation is going to come down. And, and having those clear goals is probably part of the math that I think a lot of people struggle with. And if you don't have clear goals, if you don't know what you're trying to get out of your life, then, um, my advice is going to be utterly useless because it assumes that you have something that you're working towards because now you can back it down all the way to the things you choose to believe about yourself, the actions that you choose to take, everything, the skills you decide to acquire, all of it comes down to whether or not 
it's moving you towards that goal. But if you don't have that goal, now we're, we're at a loss. We don't have a filter. Mm -hmm. And every business, every human, every thought process that any human has, has to go through a filter. It has, you have to know what to say yes to and what to say no to. It's what Pete Carroll um, talks about having a life philosophy. That life philosophy is the filter. It's to know how to treat people. It's to know what actions to take. It's to know what time to get up and how hard to push and all of that. Um, it comes down to your goals. So if you have a goal, the, the math of calculating that risk really comes down to opportunity cost. So, hey, I'm staying at this job and the job makes me money and that is certainly useful towards, because if you're making money at a job, in theory, there's some percentage of your waking hours where you're still um, able to do something. So your average job, even if you work like a fair amount of hours, your average job takes up about 50% of your waking hours. I'll give you 60 if like you're really grinding it out. Um, that still leaves, you know, 40%, 30%, like if you have a significant other and you really, it's important to you to, to spend quality time with them, but you've still got like 20, 30% that you can allocate towards anything you want. And so at that moment, it is purely opportunity cost to not allocate that to this new thing that you want to do. So to me, like people usually think about the financial risk of leaving your job. Don't leave your job. Like prove out the model first, go hard in your off hours, which could be significant. I mean, it could be the equivalent of a full, like if you gave all 50% of your remaining waking hours to this other endeavor, you've got a whole nother job that you can apply to it. It's incredible what you can accomplish. Even with 30% of your free time, you can really, really do some extraordinary things, but it's a lot of effort. And so not a lot of people want to do it. Um, but, but think of your current job basically as funding that free time. So that's how I would look at it. Um, and then, you know, it comes down to how badly do you want that other thing? There have been times in my life where I wanted something else so badly I was willing to burn everything to the ground, live like a monk, um, rent a shoebox somewhere, share it with other people if I had to, and to make sure that that thing happened. So, you know, it, it comes down to knowing what you want and then really accurately identifying the steps that are going to get you there. And then, you know, where are you at in your life? If you've got a wife and kids or a husband and kids and a mortgage and all that stuff, then you have to be way more calculating on the financial side. But you still, no matter what's going on in your life, you still have some amount of free time. There you have it. All right. Any further questions? One more. We'll do right. one more. That's our boy, Serena TV. Full days of hitting my daily goals to build credibility with myself, but by day five, I didn't feel that hunger anymore. Um, how do I keep meeting my goals, and what do you do to nurture hunger? So the question is: So he's been hitting his goals for four days, his daily goals, um, building credibility with himself, but by around day five, he finds that he is losing hunger. So how can he keep motivating himself and finding hunger, nurturing? Yeah. You ready for the truth? I'm ready. You can't handle the truth. Um, here, here is the, the reality. Hunger is like love. And love is not enough. And nor is hunger. They are, they are fleeting chemical states. And the first thing that you will learn when learning about the brain is how fleeting, how transient, and how easy to sway brain chemistry really is. Mm -hmm. And once you understand that holding a pencil in your mouth, which forces you into the vague remnants of a smile, will actually cause you to rate your levels of happiness higher 
than if you don't, and it's significantly higher than if you frown. And that if I give you a cup of warm, very bizarre, if I give you a cup of warm um, coffee to hold in your hands, you don't drink it. You just hold the warm cup. And then I introduce you to somebody new and I ask you to rate them. You will rate them higher on scales of warmth and likability merely because you're holding something warm in your hands. Like the human mind is, it's a comedy routine. It is so hilarious, the things that it does, it's, it, it's ridiculous. So once you understand all of that, like to me, love, hunger, um, desire, want, need, all of it, 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 it is passing. So you have got to train yourself to recreate that mental state at a moment's notice whenever you want it. Now, the greatest tool you have in your arsenal is identity. And rather than just focusing on earning micro credibility with yourself, which is a great strategy, but whatever it is that you're using to earn credibility with yourself, you need to make it part of your identity. So for me, I show up at the fucking gym. I do not care that I don't like it. And I've actually had people heckle me on social media like, well, shouldn't you focus your energy on coming to like it? You don't understand what I've done to my identity. The whole point is that I don't like it. In fact, if I show up and I'm like, this is fun, I will remind myself, you hate this shit. I will make sure that I stay focused on the fact that I don't like it because that's become such a potent part of my identity that I'm able to show up and do the things that I don't like because I'm focused on the result that I have the grit and discipline to push through. But it is the identity that shows up when I need it because I don't want to stop being that person. So when I'm in bed and I'm under the covers and it is wonderfully warm and I realize that I'm awake and that I don't want to go to the gym, I remember that I'm the type of person that does what he says he's going to do, even when nobody's watching. So I say, I will get out of bed in 10 minutes. I'm going to get out of bed in 10 minutes because I want to be that person. Yeah. But it's wanting to be that person that gets me going. So if you find that that state is fleeting, you need to focus on things like identity that are going to allow you to recapture that hunger so that whenever you want it, like if you want to be hungry, you think about who you are as a person and that desire to stay that person will reignite that hunger. And now you've got what you need to drive, to get up, to get going, to do something. And if you need to put a gun to your own head, you've got to tell people that you're that type of person because now you've got congruity. Now you've said something out loud and you really feel the obligation to live up to it. There you have it. Boom. There it is. And the people behind the camera are making some weird ass faces. They seem vaguely pleasant, but I can't tell what's happening over there. All right. Well, I think it's time to wrap up. All right. Let's do it. Um, I want to remind everyone, first of all, thank you for joining us on Facebook Live and Instagram Live. You can win a copy of Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, which is the story of Nike. You can also win a 10-minute talk with Tom Bilyeu. All you need to do is go and send a screen grab of your rate and review on iTunes to connect at impacttheory.com. That's connect at impacttheory.com. And, uh, and we will, uh, we'll put you in the running for that. So go ahead and do that. And thanks for sharing and thanks for supporting us all along the way. Yes. Thank you guys so much for joining us for this episode of After Impact, where we were discussing Mel Robbins. It was absolutely a pleasure to have you guys. It's a weekly show, so be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. Peace out, guys. 
Hey everybody, thanks so much for joining us. If this content is adding value to your life, our one ask is that you go to iTunes and Stitcher and rate and review. Not only does that help us build this community, which at the end of the day is all we care about, but it also helps us get even more amazing guests on here to share their knowledge with all of us. Thank you guys so much for being a part of this community. And until next time, be legendary, my friends.